in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback, a podcast about comic books and the organization originally founded by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1938 as the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis to Combat Polio. The name March of Dimes was coined by screen and radio star Eddie Cantor as a play on the contemporary radio and newsreel series, The March of Time. He inspired a nationwide fundraising campaign in the week preceding President Roosevelt's birthday on January 30, 1938. Lapel pins were sold for 10 cents each. Special features were produced by motion picture studios and the radio industry, and nightclubs and cabarets held dances and contributed a portion of the proceeds. After funding Jonas Salk's polio vaccine, the organization expanded its focus to the prevention of birth defects and infant mortality. In 2005, as preterm birth emerged as the leading cause of death in children worldwide, research and prevention of premature birth became the organization's primary focus. I'm Graham Vaccinated Giles, and with me, as always, my charitable chums, he wants his mug on our money, putting his moolah toward Marvel Comics, Alex Shear, and his birthday inspires fantastic philanthropy, donating his dollars to DC, Stephen Shear. This week, we continue our very exciting, very informative March tournament called Mid-March Melee, where we have comic books competing for the premier paperback prize. This week's matchup is our semifinal round number one. We have Alex representing The Killing Joke and Steven representing The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. Since we only have one matchup on the show today, we're going to change up the format a little bit. We're going to give our uh, each of our representatives a little more time to talk about their books. They're going to get a little time to debate each other. And then we're going to finish how we normally finish with some questions, some closing remarks, and my final judgment. But before we get to that, Stephen, what'd you read this week? Graham, I read a, a comic called Witchblood. It's from Vault Comics. It's another from Stephanie's collection. And it is, it's a Western setting. And um, as you can guess, it's about a witch who's looking for, at this point in the plot, she's looking for, I think, the Supreme Witch. Uh, but she's being tracked down by bounty hunters that are called hex hunters. And there's also vampires. And um, <clears throat> as you know, vampires have to feast on blood. And witch blood is particularly good for them. So uh, she attracts a whole bunch of vampires and, and those um, hex hunters. But it's a really good book. I really like the Western setting. Um, thought it was a good good read. And then I also saw the new Batman movie finally. And it was uh, not at all what I expected, but it was great. Um, I, I agree. It was a great movie. I like uh, I like how the Riddler wasn't um, like all stupid. I like him more as the jigsaw <laughs> instead of um, like annoying. I liked him more as a uh, as a menace than a kind of annoying like you know look how smart I am. <clears throat> and Stevens, what you read this week brings us to today's sponsor. Today's sponsor, Witch Blood, both nutritious and delicious for all you vampires out there. Alex, what did you read this week? Nothing with witch blood, so I'm probably not not Bummer. nutritious or delicious this week. But I dived into something called Alter Ego. Um, 
Steve Ditko remembered. Um, Steve Ditko, obviously the legendary um, creator or co-creator of Spider-Man um, and many of the other characters we come to love with Marvel, Doctor Strange being one of them. And just kind of looking like through his life and his history. So not really any comics per se, but more just kind of a remembering what Steve Ditko contributed and why we love the characters we love that he created and had a hand in and why he and Stan Lee were such an incredible team and dominant force in building the empire that is Marvel. Well, I think uh, Jack Kirby often gets overlooked in the uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby uh, relationship, but uh, same for Steve Ditko, maybe even, even more so much more so. Um, And a, uh, but a guy who, I mean, really with Jack Kirby set the foundation for what comics artists do now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it sounds like an interesting read. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of good stuff. Some uh, There's an interview in this book uh, with Steve Ditko from when he was alive, things like that. So just some great stuff, just exploring the creator. Yeah, very cool. Speaking of exploring the creator, I've been on a Grant Morrison kick, um, and I've been uh, been reading a lot of uh, their stuff. So I have, uh, I have Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin that I've been reading through. Oh, that one's crazy. Uh, that's, the, that's the one Alex got me. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, I've been reading through uh, All Star Superman, uh, and so a lot of uh, a lot of Grant Morrison went on this weekend. <laughs> it's not a bad, not a bad thing. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I love I love Grant Morrison. Um, not like like platonically, Grant. Okay, <laughs> stop being so clingy. You sure about that? <laughs> I could never date a bald person. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. I would be fine with it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Graham Shallow. That's right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> let's uh, let's get started with our mid-March melee matchup. Other M words. Um, so, Madness. so Stephen, Stephen, I believe uh, many deaths at latest are has the number one seed in this tournament. Alex, the killing joke had the number two or number three seed. Um, I think it had the number four seed. Well, I think, I think this one was super lowly seated. <laughs> yeah, it was out of Oh, you're right. Alleged necess- necessity. Yeah, Alex is already <laughs> taking offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since you're so riled up, you want to go first? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to put four minutes on the clock. Alex, whenever you're ready, go ahead. Biggest thing I want to point out with this comic book is how iconic it really has become over the last 30 plus years. Yes, we're we're bouncing back to the iconic word again. That's a it's an important word in the icon that is this comic book. In all seriousness, I I want to I want to take us through this book really quick and I want to focus on the last few panels, the last few pages, you know, there's that section where Joker says, you know, this whole situation reminds me of a joke. And he talks about the two guys escaping or wanting to escape the asylum. And the one guy jumps, jumps over, gets away. And uh, the next guy comes in and he says, Hey, I've got my flashlight, you know, I'll, I'll hold the beam so that you can escape. Just follow the light and you'll be good. And the guy says, what do you think I am crazy? You just turn it off when I was halfway across. 
upon a much deeper dive looking into this book, um, I found found different people coming up with different things as to what it was compared to. And this joke, somebody brought up a really good point. Batman wasn't, he starts to do his little, <laughs> you know, his little chuckle at the beginning. And he's not laughing at the joke. He's laughing at Joker calling it a joke. And to break it down, they're talking about neither one of them, neither Batman nor Joker, want to remain insane. They're constantly trapped in this this nightmare that they've created for each other. You know, Batman says, even earlier in the book, he's, he talks about they're, they're on this road to, you know, to, to kill each other. So neither one of them want to be there. Um, both of them are, are close to being free from this, this insanity. Both of them are close to th- th- They literally see the, the end of the tunnel. Um, and, and the guy breaks it down a little bit further. And I, and I love this, and this is why I'm util- utilizing this. Batman's the first guy, the guy who jumps across. No problem. The one who easily jumped across, not, you know, not, to sanity but something maybe even a little bit better and the second person is joker who doesn't want to jump across because he's afraid of falling and failing so that that's where this last part of the joke where he's like hey i've got an idea let's use the flashlight um the joker wants to be part he wants to be on the side of the lack of sanity or he wants to be on the side where he's not insane he wants to join batman and stop fighting he doesn't want to fight batman but he knows, and as does Batman, it's it's way too late for that. They're 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 locked in this battle to be mortal enemies until their very last breath. And he's afraid that he's gonna fall or that Batman's going to turn off the light and let him plummet to his death. As we all know, Batman doesn't kill people. That's and I think that that's so important because this joke it really talks about the relationship between the two of them, how they both came from a similar place, right? You look at Batman had his tragic origin story with the death of his parents. Joker in this book, we explore his tragic origin story with the the death of his wife and child. The the whole one bad day and we all go insane. And both of them have had that bad day. Batman uses his to kind of move forward and be a better person while Joker can't. He He's stuck and he can't ever move on. And I think that's kind of the crux of all of this, right? It really focuses on just how intimate all the details are and how they're intertwined with each other, locked in this mortal battle, and how Batman has chosen to advance himself and to continue to try to move forward and do good. While, while Joker, he's, he's stuck, and he, he'll never be able to be free like Batman is. And that's really where I want to focus my attention to today on this book. Wow. Almost exactly four minutes. You finished a little bit early. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations on being premature, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh. Ooh, shots already. <laughs> shots. Sorry, I thought that was a setup. Buttery nipples. <laughs> All right, Stephen, whenever you're ready. All right, I will start then. Um so when I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about this book, it's so hard with the mini deaths of Layla Star because this is a comic that is a lot more than the sum of its parts. If you want to talk about the art, it's got some of the coolest art I've seen where it's 
abstract. You know, we see the very first issue, we get a um, opening scene in Mumbai, but you might not know it's Mumbai, but you can get the sense that it's a really big, crowded, chaotic city. So, and the art palette was really cool too. So you can talk about the art, you can talk about the plot, it has a great plot. Um, it also teaches about Hinduism, which is something that many people probably are not familiar with. We're mostly familiar with the um, Abrahamic religion religions so it's cool to learn about you know a different form of religion um but what i really want to talk about is just how complex yet accessible this book is it takes gods and makes them people that have to go through our struggles and deal with what we deal with um you know i only <clears throat> recommended issue one for the best issues of 2021 but Really, this if you only read the first issue, then what are you even doing? Because I read through the first issue really fast, and I'm not even a speed reader. These five issues flew by, and in that time, <clears throat> I feel like I really understood what um, a lot more about Hinduism and kind of the process of reincarnation, um, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, so you, you start out with Layla in the first issue falling out a window, and then death being reincarnated as Layla. And the, the cool thing about this book is it's like, it's almost, I don't know if uh, inception is the right word, but the, the whole core of um, Hinduism and reincarnation is that every time you're reincarnated, your soul, you, you lose all of your memories and everything about your past life, but your soul remains. And what you're supposed to do with that each reincarnation, you're supposed to eventually reach enlightenment, enlightenment <clears throat> by kind of filling your soul. And we see Layla do that, you know, each time she's reincarnated, she learns a little something new about life. Um, and that's another, another cool point we could talk about is how we're really looking at life through the focus of or through the eyes of death, really. And each time death is reincarnated in a new life, she learns something new. And until finally on the final issue, sorry, no spoilers, guys, but um, it's about Hinduism, so... You should know that the the goal of Hinduism is enlightenment, and so by the end, she finally reaches enlightenment by interacting with the one person she's actually supposed to stop, and and she learns a lot about life, even as the god of death. And I think that's really cool, um, a theme. It's like you're, it, it's a lot of comics will take you from point A to point B throughout the story, and as the reader, you have some kind of creative freedom with how you can imagine the heroes got there, and you can fill in the gaps. But this one almost offers total creative freedom. Um, you know, it really like, you know where the book's going, but you kind of, it's up to you to decide, um, you know, how, you know, Layla's reacting and then kind of compare it to your own life. Because, um, you know, no matter what religion you believe in, or if you're an atheist, um, it really, all religions kind of teach that life is sacred and, and what you do with that life is important. You know, you either get reincarnated to reach enlightenment um, or it's the one life you get and, you know, you should enjoy it. Or if you believe in the Abrahamic religions and there's an afterlife, no matter what, um, life is important. And I think this book does the best job of teaching that lesson. Um, and it does it in a way that's not like, you know, you don't feel like you're getting preached at. You're having a good time reading it. Like I said, I flew by and I'm not a speed reader. Um, I thought the, the themes were complex yet, you know, readily recognizable, even if you don't know much about Hinduism, it's, it's a really good book with complex ideas that I think is going. <laughs> ah, I got to buzz somebody. <laughs> that I think is going to advance comics, <laughs> as comics are getting more demanding. 
Beautiful. I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm editing it to where he says is going to advance. <laughs> I'm just going to stop it right there because that's where the buzzer stops. So that's right. Well, you are in charge of editing, so the uh, <laughs> as much power as I have, you might have even more power. Yeah, I mean, but out uh, whatever you want, and you but, can insert but yourself saying, "And Alex wins." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the soundbite. I appreciate it. <laughs> right. Oh no! Oh, what uh, that that's taken out of context. <laughs> they don't right. know that. I get to edit that out, so it's fine. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so we we've done our our introductions to the books here. Uh, our, the next thing that we're going to add in this a new feature starting in the semifinals. Uh, we're going to add in a little bit of time for discussion. Uh, to start that off, um, I'm going to let Stephen kind of address anything that Alex said that uh, you want to talk about that you disagree with that you agree with um and kind of uh, put alex on his toes a little bit uh and then from there you guys can just go back and forth you don't need to wait for me you guys can moderate yourselves <laughs> all right um <clears throat> so you kind of talked more about you know the joker wanting to land on the side of sanity and i think that's something that i would disagree with personally I feel you're like stupid. <laughs> I feel like the Joker is kind of like he's he kind of tries to make a point that sane people and insane people are, you know, more or less the same. That the only difference between a sane and insane person is just one bad day. So I think, in my mind, he's just. I think he's thinking that. You know, I don't think he wants to be sane. I think he's happy being insane because it's total freedom. And I think his whole plan. I think his whole thought is that everybody. He thinks everybody wants to be insane, but everybody's afraid to be it. So, so I think that's the, that's the thing, right? I mean, you, I, and I'm looking at, which page am I looking at right now? I don't even know which page. If, if you guys have it, the digital version, uh, page 50 of 63. I'm in the last four panels of that page. How Batman's saying it doesn't have to end like that. I don't know what it was that you've been that bent your life so out of shape, but who knows? Maybe I've been there too. Maybe I can help. I mean, one, he's very clearly referencing the fact that he doesn't know what happened to Joker, but he went through his own traumatic thing as a child, seeing the loss of his parents. You know, he he talked about, you know, we he goes on to say, we could work together, we could rehabilitate you. You know, you don't need to be out there on the edge anymore. You don't need to be alone. We don't have to kill each other. Joker... There's a very clear panel where Joker looks at him and I mean, they I think they do a phenomenal job of even though you can't see Joker's eyes, you can tell he's contemplating, do I want to take that offer? And then he goes on to say, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's too late for that. It's too late for me, um, which is why he brings up the joke, you know, the the joke of jumping across to freedom to safety. So I think that maybe Joker as a whole character, maybe not doesn't want that whole freedom or the freedom from insanity. But I think in this moment for a brief moment, he, he leads this joke and it's set up because in that moment, maybe he does. He realizes that Batman is right, that this is going to end on a course where they're going to have to kill each other to stop this. But maybe, maybe there's a chance that they don't have to go that route. And that's why I think very subtly he thinks, you know, I would really like to not die, you know, but 
maybe it's just too late. He's afraid of failing. He's afraid of falling back into the the line of insanity because he hates it there. I mean, you know, the the loss of the wife and and the kid, he hates that. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, nobody nobody would ever want that, right? So yeah. he hates being in that space and in that moment. So I think that this is him saying, I don't trust. It's not even that he doesn't necessarily trust Batman. He doesn't trust himself to not fall back. I think that, I mean, yeah, I know you're the opponent, but that is a good point. I think uh, about the Joker, I think that he probably puts on the insanity act just, you know, just as like a a shield (laughs) to hide his fear of failure. So that's probably true. and, And that, and at least that's how I interpret this, you know, iteration of Joker. Obviously we have so many more, you know, I think this mm. is the first this is the first book where the authors took a chance with Joker and really just we're going to throw something way out there and just catch people way off guard. This is the first time we see Joker as more than just a two dimensional character. No, this or a one dimensional character. This is a 3D Joker who is just literally off the deep end doing stuff we thought was never possible for Joker, especially in the 80s. You know, the yeah. whole scene with think... Barbara Gordon and all that just so very and i think this i think your book did do a good job like i think the book the killing joke is a you know it's going to be a well-remembered book i'm trying to avoid the i word (laughs) this book is a classic (laughs) and and time is showing that but i think what i like about the mini deaths of layla star is that it's it's updated for 2021 and i think that as comics get more demanding and this is the point I got cut off, so now you can't avoid it. <laughs> the Layla Star <laughs> book advances it where maybe the killing like there's there's been more there's been other, you know, good books have been released between The Killing Joke and, and Layla Star. I mean, that was it's been over thirty years. So there's been other good books, but mm-hmm. uh the, the Killing Joke definitely changed the way people thought about villains. because um, I, I think, you know, at the time in the eighties that's what people wanted. But now people are demanding even more from comics. It's not enough just to have a book that has a cool plot you have to have eye-catching art the the plot has to be beyond like you know there's been so many storylines covered um and so to see a book come out in 2021 that is feels so fresh i think that that's remarkable i think it's a a feat of accomplishment in, in itself to just have something that stands out and has already garnered um accolades for being a instant classic so i think the killing joke was good at um definitely for the 80s but i i think the reason I like, you know, Layla Starr is, and even as a, as a person of DC, I, I think that <clears throat> um, it really kind of, it's going to advance the, the comic genre. It's going to push it, you know, now if something wants to come out and, you know, be compared to Layla Starr, it's got to be just like mind blowing. Cause at least in my opinion, I think Layla Starr, you know, checked almost all the boxes that make a good comic book. And, and so only time will tell, but I think it's well on its way to becoming a classic. Mm-hmm. No. And that's fair. I think, so my, my question for you on, on the Layla star, obviously it's a whole series and it, and you, you, you mentioned, you know, quote unquote spoilers or whatever about the end of the series. What I, one of the things I really love about killing joke is the fact that they're able to tell this whole story in one, in one go, like it's approximately the length of one and a half comics with Layla star. Like, I feel like there's, it's harder for somebody to get into because the character for now is not as iconic. 
Right. I mean, you, you talk about Batman, like everybody knows Batman. Batman's been around for 80 um, plus years. Everybody are we allowed to interject? No, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, okay. Um, what I would say, though, that's a good point, and I just don't want to forget it, is that this, I think, would be more accessible because a lot of people hate the Joker, and um, and the, the killing joke is written at a, a fairly mature level, whereas Layla Starr is going to be almost anybody could pick that up, and I don't think there's... I don't even think there's any swearing in it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Layla having unrecognizable characters works to its advantage because it can be anybody from any genre, either if you're a DC man or a Marvel man or even a third party person, you can revel in the characters. And um, and I would say that, you know, the, the Killing Joke did probably take me, you know, yeah, roughly one and a half comics to read. But even with five issues of Layla Star, I read I'm not even a fast reader and I read that in less than an hour. So it's hmm. it, it might be a little bit longer, but I mean it does kind of have to teach you about reincarnation a little bit. But it is uh those five issues to me flew by and, and I, I enjoyed reading it more than once because I each time I read it I feel like I took something new from it. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that concludes our debate portion. Uh, I think you both made some good points there. Um, moving in, I, I have a couple of questions for each of you. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with Alex. Um, so uh, Stephen often brings up a point when he's talking about uh, Layla Starr, uh, and he talks about kind of how mind blowing the art is. Uh, we've heard similar. Uh, similar descriptions of the art in um in the killing joke but it feels like you haven't highlighted the mind-blowing aspect of the art you haven't highlighted that it's uh like it's it changed the comic landscape um why well i think that's because the story overall is i mean this the story is far far more compelling um because of the risk that it took, you know, that you, you talk about, you could talk about killing joke as a whole and just all of the, all of the things that it did back in the eighties. I mean, it set up so many things with the, the, um, the Batman films from the late eighties, early nineties. It was one of the first books, the director of those films fell in love with. So, I mean, yes, the art is dynamic. It's beautiful, but, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that art hasn't been updated. I'm, I'm looking at a, a panel right now where it shows the original art sitting next to the updated version of the art. And while it's pretty much the same, I mean, you can tell that there's been clear updates to it. So I think that the art has stood the test of time, but I think it's the story that really draws people in much more than the art. The art is beautiful. The art is fantastic. The detail is excellent. But for me... As, as the guy who really loves the art of comic books, it, the story is what kept me going in association to the incredible artwork. Steven, the the art, similar art question. Um, the art in Layla Star, uh, you've talked about it being beautiful and mind-blowing, um, but talk to me about how the art supports that story. All right. <laughs> um, so in many of the panels, the the color choice they use, I think, um, kind of, you know, because it's about 
life and death. So there's going to be some some light moments. There's going to be some dark moments. And I think that the the color palette they use kind of helps helps you feel in addition to just to just reading the you know you're reading the words on the page but you're also getting a good feeling um and i think that the other cool thing they use is there's a couple scene transitions um that that make good use of the artwork where you know she's falling out the window um or when uh when they're talk when it's actually the cigarette talking um and so i think that the the artistic choices they use are pretty cool I like the colors they use because I think the the colors and the style they use can, like I said, help the reader kind of feel like because it's about life and death. So they can kind of feel, you know, maybe what it's like to be alive or you get the feeling of death. That that was that's what I liked about the art. Plus, too, the it was detailed yet abstract. So it was, you know, they could they could hide details in there that could, um, you know, help support the story, too. Very nice. Alex, um, this is my last question to you before my last question to you. So my penultimate question. Um, I think between uh, our last episode, not our last episode, two episodes ago, and this episode, uh, we've talked about every portion of uh, The Killing Joke with the exception of the flashback scenes. Hmm. Um, Tell me about the the flashback scenes and what they add to this story or, or don't add, as the case may be. Well, I I, th- I think that they actually add quite a bit. Um, this is very clearly, whether you like it or not, an origin story of the Joker combined with a a fork in the road for Joker and his next action. Obviously, we we have seen Alan Moore take Joker to a point where we never thought we would ever see Joker. Um, you know. I don't I don't think that this book would be as good if we didn't because it starts to make you feel to some degree for Joker, a character who we have been trained to hate, a character we're, not not hate but very much dislike, a character we are we have been told from day 1, don't like the Joker, he's bad, you know, he's the villain to Batman, but in a way those flashback scenes really humanize Joker. It really shows like look, the man was down on his luck, he lost his wife, he lost his kid. You know, he was just, was he doing something bad? Sure, but he was trying to do it for the betterment of his family. And I think especially in today's times, people can relate to that. Whether they do something bad or not, they can recognize, hey, a guy who just wants to do right by his family by helping them get ahead as best he can, even if the means in which he does so are not legitimate that you know i think i think it humanizes joker a little bit and almost causes you to have a little bit of a well i i i I can relate i feel for him you know obviously none of us have gone off off the depth that he has and you know off that edge but it humanizes him a little bit and i think it makes the story that much more compelling because of how it humanizes um the clown prince of crime that's interesting um, Stephen, you mentioned the way uh, Layla Star is a book that can uh, can teach you things, um, uh, things that you might not know uh, yet. You you mentioned uh, Mumbai as a city that you may ha- never have gone, but the way the book makes it feel familiar. Um, what are some things Layla Star has taught you personally? 
Well, there's the literal aspect. I mean, it's literally teaching people about Hinduism. And um, I took a world religions class forever ago. But um, so you literally learn about different cultures um, and, and what they think, too. You know, it's um, it's kind of important, I think, for for everybody to recognize that there's there's these other religions out there. So it literally kind of taught me about the the process of Hinduism. And I did kind of study on the, the process of reincarnation and, and their thoughts there. And so that, I mean, it literally taught me um, about more religions, but some more things that taught me were um, just kind of how, what I learned really is kind of how religion and philosophy really do kind of, whether or not they realize it, agree on some things. And, and to me, it's just, it's kind of, again, I, I think I've said this every time the books come up, but to me, the plot is always, or the, the theme is always the most important part of a comic book. And to me, it's, it's just how valuable life is and, and, you know, whether or not you value life because you think you have to gain spiritual insight to reach enlightenment or whether or not you believe this is the one life we have. I think it's important to, to recognize the value of life. And, um, by, by showing it through the eyes of death, I think that really kind of drove the point home that life is valuable regardless of what, of what you believe. And, you know, like I said, it's just, um, every time I read it, I, I learn something new that I could talk about. Very nice. All right. So we're going to do our standard last question. Um, give me one sentence that you think could sell your book to me. What what makes your book deserving to go on to our championship round? Uh, we'll start with Stephen. <laughs> you said, did you say one word or one sentence? One sentence. Okay. I, I may have said one word. I meant one <laughs> sentence. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, this, uh, this book is genius in that it's more than the sum of its parts. It combines beautiful artwork, an enduring theme, and it is just overall groundbreaking. And I know we'll make it to the pantheon of great comics. Alex, how about you? One sentence and uh, feel free to cheat a little bit like Steven did. This book for me, it really ties together the the origin of Joker and truly how one bad day can just mess with you. It talks about how Batman and Joker are very similar, but on the different side of the same coin and how they handle tragedy to advance their lives, either for good or for bad. All right. Well, with that, we've finished our matchup between these two big books. Um, uh, let's just, before we go, I, I think these books are so good that they deserve uh, an opportunity. Do either of you have any closing remarks that you want to say before we get to our final judgment? Um, let's see. Well, while Stephen's there, thinking, okay. while Stephen's thinking, um, I mean, I, I really love both of these books. These were, I mean, these were both excellent picks from last year and, you know, Steven's spot on, it does make you think about other religions and how other things are out there in the world and what other people believe and that it's not the stereotype. It doesn't necessarily need to be the stereotype that people have 
made them to be. Whereas like the killing joke, you know, for me, I, I love the fact that it's so dark, it's gritty. It really challenges comic books of its era and still holds up 32 years later. I think both of them were excellent picks and they will stand the test of time for quite a long time. Yeah. Thank you for kind of saying what I was going to say about my book. Yeah. I think, I think this book really does set a new standard for comic books. I th- it's been, um, <clears throat> you know, I haven't heard somebody read it and say, man, that was a terrible book. Um, it was a terrible book. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think it, it is going to set a new standard for comics. You know, I think, you know, a lot of comics are just, you know, fun. Um, you know, we're fighting aliens. We're fighting, you know, this ex bad guy. You know, that's always going to be there. It's always going to be fun and cool. But this one, I think, pushes the boundaries of what comics can do. And I think it's going to kind of open up the gates to, you know, who would have ever thought a book about Hindu religion would be so popular and cool around the world. So I think this book pushes the boundaries of what's possible with a comic book. And I think uh, and just doing that, I think it's um gonna be classic just for that but i think it's gonna start a wave of new comics that maybe are not just typical superhero books well i think i think you both make good points obviously both of these are some of our favorite books as a podcast um the killing joke it it will forever stand in the annals of uh of comic book history um and and i i think the same of the many deaths of layla star the uh, both books um, I love, and uh, and I've gone on a on a Batman kick recently uh, in preparation of watching the movie, um, and so that had me even more feeling that uh, the Killing Joke uh, was a great book. I think if there were another judge in this chair, they might go a different way. Um, but that being said, moving on to our premier paperback prize round, our comics championship. The winner from our Fantastic Four semifinal number one is Stephen with the Many Deaths of Layla Star. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually put down a solid argument today. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think you both put down very solid arguments. Um, and and I, I like that we've uh, pretty well covered the books. It, I think it's going to be hard for uh, you, Stephen, to come up with a new argument for the final round because we uh, we've pretty well covered Layla star in the co- over the course of what three episodes now. <laughs> I'll think of so. That's going to put, I got to put new tread on those tires. Um, <laughs> again, I, this is so hard. The killing joke is, is such a great book. And I think, um, I think a lot of people uh, love it and they have it up there as one of the, the best books of all time. Uh, and not just one of the best Batman books, but one of the best comic books of all time. Um, and I think I think it deserves that space. But I also think that uh, Layla Starr um, takes something that comic books don't normally do similarly to, um, to to The Killing Joke, but even more so. It takes something that comic books are generally afraid to tackle and it tackles it in a beautiful and, uh, and kind of groundbreaking way. And that's why Layla Starr got to move on. Can't wait to see Layla Starr not be in the top 10 in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could be disappointed. The only you will be. Only... I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Put an update in your calendar and we'll see where the uh, the Layla Starr <laughs> trade paperback ends up in uh, in 20 or 30 years. 
I think it'll be on a lot of people's top comics of all time. I I think it's uh, going to be a book that actually, I think it's going to be if you had the original, if you have the original issues, I think those will be worth something someday. I think um, it's going to, because it came from like a super independent studio. It's not even from Image. It's from uh, Sir Boom, Boom, right? Yeah. So it's from a very random one that's not even on the map. So I think that, you know, once it kind of catches on, I think the books will be worth something. What else does Boom have? Boom's known for something. Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they 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 do the the Power Rangers comics. Uh, they oh. have they have a lot of those. Like they they license um, like television shows and and they turn them into comic books. Um, but yeah, Boom has a lot of that stuff. Um, but also many Desolate Star, which which I think is the point. All the comic publishers right now are putting out great books. So mm-hmm. don't limit yourself to any one or two of them um if you're like me you read reread a lot of image um but but dc and marvel the the big two are putting out great books just as they always have uh image has a lot of creators putting out great books obviously boom studios puts out a great book um and and i would encourage you every time you go to your local comic shop pick up something random find a cover that you like pick up a random book um yeah especially if it's especially if it's in the dollar bin Grab a random dollar book every time you go. Just <laughs> expand your horizons. And if you don't like it, give it to a kid. <laughs> Plenty of kids out there who would love a free comic book. That's my uh, that's my little PSA there. I, I agree with it. I think um, you know it's easy to stay with what's comfortable and stay in your realm. But I think if you kind of like push yourself out of your comfort zone and read something you wouldn't normally read, it, you know you'll, you'll be disappointed sometimes, sure. But I think you'll find something really good you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the way you jump into comic books. I mean, before we started this podcast, I had read um, maybe 20 comic books total in my entire life. And, uh, and now I've, you know, (laughs) gone way over that amount. Uh, And the way to jumping into comic books is a it's daunting, because there's there's so much backlog, there's so many issues over the thing, there's so many runs, there's so many different characters, you have no idea where to start. Um, and so I think with comic books, the best place to start is asking your friends for recommendations. Uh, if you don't have friends who read comic books, go to your local comic shop, ask somebody there for recommendations. Um, I, I think recommendations are, are the best way to start. The second best way to start is pick up a random book. Anything that says number one on the cover, perfect place to start. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of comic shops now are kind of at least like, you know, there's a stereotype about comic shop owners, you know, like The Simpsons. Um, but most comic shop owners just love telling you about their favorite books. And um, like, at least at the comic shop I go to, there's ones they'll even help you out. They'll say like, uh, these are one shots or these like are, you know, the beginning issues. Cause it can get confusing when you get in there with volumes and, and things like that. But, you know, unless if you're in the Simpsons and it's uh, <laughs> the comic book guy, most comic book shop owners are nice enough to provide you plenty of recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like comic book, owners chop owners are uh the whole reason they're doing this is because they've they developed a collection of comic books over many years and uh decided they no longer wanted to keep them to themselves they wanted to share their love of comics uh with the world so they open up a shop a place where they can kind of embrace the comic book community and that's what's one of the most fun things about these books is is the community that surrounds them so i encourage any of our listeners um, to, to try and join that community, whether it's online or in person, um, talk about some comic books, talk about what you like and, uh, and read things that you weren't prepared to read before. 
with that being said, next week, coming up next week, we have our second and final matchup in the Fantastic Four. Uh, That's our semifinal round heading towards the premier paperback prize. Uh, Next week, we're going to have me representing Saga number 25. Uh, and Alex gets his shot at redemption representing Sex Criminals Number One, uh, a book that Alex does not love quite as much as he loved The Killing Joke, but I'm sure he will give it his absolute best and uh, and try and beat me. Uh, let's hope we can get a rematch, Stephen versus Alex, in the finals. Um, I, I'll be looking forward to it. Should be a good time. Looking forward to it, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, do we, do we have any uh, final thoughts before we close out the podcast? Uh, I think everybody should see the new Batman movie. It, it's great, although it's not a typical superhero movie by any means. I don't know if that's true. I, it, it is a it is a great movie. Um, it, it might be my favorite Batman movie. It's definitely my favorite um, Batman movie because it's. I think it's true to the I, characters. I really liked Batman Forever. Which one was that? Was that the one that was like universally panned? <laughs> but I think Batman and Robin was oh. universally panned, and Batman Forever is also like people don't like it. I I, um, I think I'd like that. Is that is that the one that has a penguin in it too? Uh, Batman Forever. No, it's Batman is... Begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean, there, there's Batman, which has uh, the penguin in it. Um, That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, the Tim Burton. And then there's one. like, and there's like. Batman Returns. I don't know, man. There's a lot of Batman. <laughs> the the one I'm talking about, Batman Forever, is um, uh, Batman and Robin and uh, Batwoman. No, no, Batwoman is is Batman and Ro- I don't know. I get those two confused. Um, the one I'm talking about though is the uh, is the one with uh, Two Face and the Riddler, and not the one with uh, oh, Mister okay. Freeze and Poison Ivy. Got it. Um, so. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, the Batman, the new one, uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, very good, um, very good movie. And I recommend after you've seen the movie, uh, go and check out the website that features in the movie because there's some fun uh, additional things there. Uh, I did that today and it's kind of uh, kind of fun to pop through the, the website. So uh, recommend that. Cool. Anyway. We hope you enjoyed this week's matchup in our mid-March melee heading towards the premier paperback prize. That's uh, next week. We will have a fantastic four matchup for you. Uh, that'll be exciting. We hope you enjoy that. We hope that you enjoyed the Batman, the movie. Uh, if you did enjoy it, uh, leave us a comment on our Instagram. Let us know uh, what you think. Uh, if you think I did a really bad job judging the books today, we hope you'll leave us another comment on Instagram <laughs> telling us what a bad job we did there. I will. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. At Alex Shears. <laughs> Judge is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. We hope you comment on Alex's comment and defend me, please. <laughs> we, hope, we hope you go to your local comic shop and look for a random book, pick it up, read it. If you don't like it, give it to a kid you hate. Um, we hope that you don't hate that many kids, but come on, there are some that you don't like, right? Uh, we hope that you go to your local comic shop. We hope you approach the counter and tell the person at the counter, make mine paperback. We'll see you next week. 